how Karina and Kirsten get to work, we're digging into your creative side. How'd you like how I said that? So good, Karina. Here we go. Side. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. And I am so glad we, we are so glad. You can speak for both of us. speak for you, the, the collective, the royal we. <laughs> we are so <laughs> glad to have you here today to talk about ease, meaning, and joy for women at work. Because after three and a half years, I couldn't, this morning I was like, holy cow, I still have a lot to say yeah. about ease, meaning, and joy for women at work. Yeah. So buckle up, sisters. So I'm super excited to she be here. She has a lot to say today. A lot today. to say today. A lot to a lot say going today. on for me. Yeah. And where are we recording from? I feel like a cheerleader. The land of the Coast Salish people. Yes. I knew you were going to get to it, but I just... Thank you. So listener, I'm going to make an... I'm going to admit something to you. Kirsten and I recorded this show already. We got about 10 or 15 minutes in and I looked at the recorder and realized that I hadn't hit start. So we're redoing it. And my response was, that was good, but we can do better. Yeah, exactly. I love it. So, so I'm you're going to hear better, listener. <laughs> you're gonna... So I'm hesitating to like pushes i'm gonna have to we're gonna have to go like wait did we already say that is that on this did we catch it on tape i don't even know anywho so here my we mind are is a steel trap i'm insanely organized I, I can do it again you're so smart just today <laughs> not usually but this morning can I'm i lean on up. you for that then because clearly my it. brain is have only half time well good i'm glad we get a chance to re-record and i aka record this for the first time because you can um do a shout out to stephanie didn't you want okay, to say something i do so for those of you who've listened to the morning routine show you know that i am super cranked up about this morning routine thing like it's like a newfound love for me and i was in front of the microwave at work and stephanie came in to also use the microwave and she's like, I listen to your podcast. And I was like, I kind of was like, what, chagrined a little bit? Is that a good word? Mm -hmm. I always do that. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be psyched or like a little bit worried. I was a little chagrined. I was like, oh, because I kind of know I was on the edge of that whole it. thing. I loved it. But I was like, oh, do you think I went overboard on that? And she was like, <laughs> no, I love morning routines. I have a morning routine. And then we were proceeded to spend the next 10 minutes talking about how much we love our morning routines how good we feel, like just how good we feel. And then I was like, thank you so much, because now I feel like less of a weirdo about my obsessiveness <laughs> with this morning routine thing. So anyway. Oh, good. Shout out to Stephanie. Shout out to Stephanie. I got a text message from Stella, who also said, I'm listening to your morning routine podcast while I'm doing my morning routine, you're rad. She said we're rad. That's so good. I feel so good about that because I do think I was a little bit like... Let it go, sister. Okay, I'm going to do it. Let it, it go. Let it go. Yeah. And um, okay, but speaking of shows, we also just released a show on entitlement. And kind of in tandem with that, the New York Times released another article, this time an op-ed, talking about men in quote-unquote crisis. And you sent that article to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm and I'm curious if you want to say anything to so the I listener. I do. I do. I was was very interesting. It, it was why I sent it to Ukraine. It's an op-ed of the New York Times, this guy, David French. And I don't think it was in response to that What's Wrong With Men article that we talked about from The Atlantic yeah. a couple of weeks ago. But it certainly, the timing is interesting. So I kind of wonder, right? Yeah. I kind of wonder, like, well, is that what he was really responding to? But here's what he says. He says, hey, whether men are... Hey. He's... <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, 
whether men are in crisis or uncomfortable or whatever is going on, he says that fundamentally men want respect and women want love. And his proposition, his opinion is that he thinks that men don't feel like they're getting respect. And when they don't get what they want, they feel bad. No. And his advice, I think that's the word, it's his advice to men is, hey, if you want respect, it's not something that you just get. I understand that that might have been the way it has been in the past. Yeah. But that expectation of respect perpetuates the patriarchy and entitlement. And he uses those words. Mm-hmm. And then he says, hey, men, if you want respect, that's great. But get out there and earn it. Yeah. And earn it by doing things for the people you love and care about. Yeah. And I was like, yes, yes to that all day long. Like, I loved it that he said, hey, man, if you want respect, that you can get it. Like, he didn't say there was anything wrong with that. You should want love more, anything like that. Yeah. He's like, I I feels ya. And here's what I think you should do about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is nice. That's a different narrative than mm-hmm. we're seeing. Because we are seeing a lot of articles these days that are talking about how Poor, poor men. Like yeah. poor, these guys are really struggling. And I, I don't, I, it's, it kind of gives me pause because as I said to you before, that narrative of men in crisis, I, I don't want to debate whether or not they are or aren't, but I really feel like what we're, what should, what is a more appropriate representation is men are getting, are having to earn what was given to them in the past. There's a shift. And when you you somehow when something it, and then and it feels like something's being taken away yeah so their discomfort yeah with equality is what you blanch at exactly you're like i don't want to coddle or figure out how to um make you guys feel better make it okay yeah because not feeling because getting comfortable with this yeah is part of the process exactly yeah all right. Okay. But enough about that. I think, do you want to talk about creativity? Because I can talk about this shit, this other <laughs> shit all day long if you want. I do want to talk about creativity. Which, okay, good. I'm really excited about this subject because I know, it's, I said recently to somebody, you know, work is work. It's just work. It's a job. Mm-hmm. You sell your time for 40 or 50, 60, you know, you sell your time. You're selling mm-hmm. your time, but it's just work. But all of the stuff that you do outside of work contributes to who you are as a human being and and create and having a creative outlet turns out is one of those things that if I don't even know what the hell I'm saying what am I trying to say here well let's do this can you help me (laughs) can can you please help me finish my thought I can so help you friend (laughs) so I'm just going to finish the last part of what you said please oh my gosh which is that um how we are, what we do outside of work really contributes to our experience inside of work. Yes. And it turns out creativity is one of these really significant ways to influence what happens at work. Yeah. Okay. So I have these notes at the top of my paper that says creativity, not only this, is, let me start with this is point of the show. Okay. So that's what I said to myself, <laughs> Kirsten, what the hell's the point? The point of the show is this. Creativity not only boosts happiness in and out of work, it improves our performance at work. We'll talk about that in more detail later. It also 
improves our physical health and it reduces stress. Yeah. So before we kind of dive into the creativity part, I do want to talk about this health thing for a minute because this was shocking to me. Mm -hmm. It was really, really shocking to me. Okay, but before you do, I have to pause. Pause. What do you think that, what when we're talking about creativity, what do you think you do that's creative outside of work? Okay, well, I do. Okay. Uh, okay. I journal. Yep. And I write. Yep. Those are relatively new activities for me. Mm -hmm. I think in the past, my sole creative outlets have been gardening and cooking. Mm -hmm. And the uh, rare team building activity where I was painting a picture or creating a vision board, which I'm going to say happened three or four times a year. Yeah. Do you think puzzling is creative? No. I don't think puzzling is creative. Okay. Okay. And by the way, anybody who knows, I do a lot of puzzling. My beloved is a puzzler. And so that is one of the ways that we share time and experience is over a puzzle. And focus. We make the puzzle our common enemy. It's very effective. <laughs> I was thinking about when we were re getting ready for the show, I was thinking, what are my creative outlets? I, I garden. I mean, you I garden. Not garden. You do a lot of cooking. Yeah. And garden, not in the sense of like growing vegetables, but like I landscape. Yes, I me have too. A, my, my yard is a, in, in a, in essence, a palette that I have been creating over the last 20 years. And cooking is a very creative process for me. And I think I get that from my mom. I frequently, I cook things I don't even eat. I like, know. I, yes. I cook so much food I, I don't know. eat. And it's it's not just the cookies or whatever. It's like, you know, I, yeah, I cook for, I cook for the week and it's, it's for an entire family and in-laws and, you know, kid who doesn't live in the home. But I don't do the like classic painting or art. My sister crochets. I have clients who paint. I have friends who paint. I have, you know, other people who do woodworking. My parents are incredibly creative. Quilting. Qu yes. Pottery. My mom does pottery yep. and wood woodworking mm -hmm. and welding and da, 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 like so I come Interior from this design. Yeah. Long line of um Creative. creative people. So I never really think of myself as particularly creative compared to my family. I'm like a dud. I'm a total dud in the creativity thing. And so anyway, I just wanted to kind of set the stage of like, what are we really even talking about? And how are those things contributing to, like you were saying, you were starting to say about health. Your well-being, your health, yeah. and what happens at work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good, Krina. And I maybe we just want to say at this point, too, like when we say the word creativity, it's really about something new or original. It's about something novel, yeah. useful, different. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so it does span the whole breadth of cooking to painting to poetry to woodworking some people say even video games flower that's fascinating because you make you make things when yeah. you're doing video games right In some, yeah flower pressing right people yeah. who do photography and bird watching yeah or, you know and anyway. playing, you know, playing a musical mm -hmm. instrument mm -hmm. anytime we are using your imagination mm -hmm. And or creating, you know, something original ideas. Anywho, okay, sorry. You know me, sometimes I have to start at the beginning or I can't I go that. any farther. I love that. I can't go. Thank you. And in doing all of these things, you were just saying. I was just saying. There's some health benefits. <laughs> it's very interesting. There was a study by psychologists published in the National Library of Medicine that creative activities lower our blood pressure, lower our total cholesterol, lower our weight circumference. Waist, yeah. And our body mass index. Yes. And th give us perceptions of better physical function. Yeah. And they, these associations for creative people withstood what they call controlling for demographic measures. You sound so smart right now. Well, I'm playing an expert on the podcast. I'm really not one in real life. 
yes, you no, you're not an expert in real life, but you are really smart in real life. <laughs> but I find that fascinating. I just it was it was the reason I brought it up was because it was one of the things in researching for the show that I was just like, wow, really improves your physical health and the cortisol in your body. Lower waist circumference. Hey, give me some more of that. Low, I'm going to become a painter, man. Lower blood pressure and yep. tor- total cortisol by yep. Because you're doing a creative activity, mm-hmm. dear, that is a slam dunk, right? It really is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. But it's also interesting how, I mean, here it comes again, folks, how we're perceived, what our creative, how creative we are. Women. Are women, yeah. How creative women are, or, or the perception of the creativity of women. Yeah, is but with less, we're there's a bias against us. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? I really did. So it's, so this is the other thing that I found really interesting that I did not, despite everything we know about how men and women are differently perceived. Like I did not expect to find a creativity bias. No, I know. And there is one. It turns out there is. It turns out there is one. So they did a study and I'll put it in the footnotes, uh, in the show notes so that you can see it. Yeah. But the study basically... Um, presented ideas about architecture and identifying them as either from a man or from a woman. And also fashion. Well, I'm just going to get to that. Oh, sorry. You're just ahead of me. Dear God, I'm jumping the gun here. You're just ahead of me. Okay, go. Sorry. Just shut me up. No, no, you're good. You're good. So they presented these ideas as being from men or women, and they were ideas for architecture. And the ideas that were associated with men received higher creativity marks regardless of whether they were produced by a man or a woman. Mm. So, and the ones for women, less. Yeah. So if you identified your idea as being from a man, it was going to get a better creativity mark than from a woman. That was not true with fashion design. Yeah. Fashion design was even, whether from a man or a woman, they were perceived as having equal creativity. Yeah. There was no bias. But I just thought that was interesting. Really, there's a creativity bias. And maybe it's just in male-dominated professions or jobs. I don't know. But I just thought that was worth mentioning. I think it's worth mentioning. And I, I love shit like that because then I do extrapolate into the workplace. Like, I mean, there's a lot of literature about how to generate creative ideas mm-hmm. at work. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. And how actually, wasn't it Gallup that said creativity, like creative problem solving is one of the top five skills of Gallup the future? Gallup has said it, like LinkedIn has said it, like everywhere you look it says, what does the boss want? The boss wants a creative thinker. Right. Mm-hmm. And for women at work, your creativity is going to be judged differently. It's very, it's, I mean, but the good news is for the this show, like for what we're talking about in this show, yeah. this is all about creativity for us. Yeah. And our so own, yep. our own experience, right? So who cares about anybody else's bias for the moment? For the moment. Exactly. Like I, I do care, but right now I don't. Because no. I'm like, this is all about my experience. I don't care about somebody else's bias right now. I don't care. I know. So let's talk about the creative experience in the brain. You went deep on this stuff. Can you tell the listener? Okay. So this, I, I'm not going to say, Karina, that is an exaggeration. <laughs> deep is an exaggeration. Okay. You went wa- wide on I was, this. I, you know, I really, we do have this thing about, you know, creative people, this idea that there's this, that it's the right brain, right? Mm-hmm. The right brain thinker. And uh, just to really summarize, everything I read, it's not the case at all, actually. Yeah. That it creativity, they now know by doing MRIs and different kinds of brain studies that 
creativity happens all over your brain, which is why that's, I mean, part of why this is so exciting to me. Like your entire brain lights up, is engaged when you're in a creative activity. And this is also what I thought was interesting. So they described this kind of default network in the brain as being the one where, you know, your mind wanders, you have daydreams, um, you imagine, like the things that you don't control, but you just let happen. Mm-hmm. Candidly, what happens to me in half of the time I meditate? <laughs> Great. <laughs> perfect. That's so good. <laughs> Not sure it's supposed to, but it does. And then there's this executive control network that we have that helps us make decisions, process information, all of that. And then there's this, there are these regions that allow us to switch around between all of these functions, right? Yeah. And so this, this creative activity and how proficient we are at it appears to be related to how well connected all of these different regions and functions are. Yeah. I like that. What they said is that like alternating between idea generation Mm -hmm. and idea evaluation, which generation is creativity, right? That's the kind of the spark. And then evaluation is the executive function piece. And that those two, when those two regions are connected, yep. You're, you're more proficient. You're more proficient. You're more predisposed to, to creative. Such an interesting thing. But I just love that it's in the whole brain. I do, too. Because, yeah, it's not. I do, too, because it, it really does say, hey, when you're tapping into that creative side, when you're doing the thing that feels good, that's given your your whole brain is just happy. Yes, your whole brain is happy. And so are you. Yes. So it's it, and there are so many studies like too many to mention that talk about how creativity and happiness are related yeah that creative people seem to be more happy that even that positive emotions promote more creativity and i'll just say this as an aside like some of the research seemed to me it was unclear what comes first creativity or happiness or happiness and creativity. It's like a chicken and the egg. But there's enough information out there that says when you engage in creative activities, your well-being is improved afterward. Yeah. So some of these studies would um, present a creative activity to a group of participants and then measure their well-being before and after. Yeah. And in the reports improved well-being. Mm-hmm. So. I'm saying today that there's enough out there to say that creativity is the chicken. And let's just focus on that, that it does have, you know, the ability to move the needle on happiness. Yeah. So much so that I think one of those studies referenced even people who are cancer patients. Oh, yeah. That their outlook on life changed when they engaged in a creative activity. It decreased the negative emotional states associated with cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. And and it's somebody else said that one of the ways creativity enhances happiness is through problem solving that like individuals who are creative tend to be better problem solvers and then they're happier because they've solved their problems. Am I, is that Mm -hmm. right too? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We always feel happy when we solve our problems too. And if you have creativity that helps you solve the problem, you know, it's like they're all beautifully connected. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that wild? And I'm not going to, I don't want to oversimplify this, but seriously, simply by having a hobby or an extracurricular activity or something that you do that's making that where you're creating 
you know, using original thought, original mm-hmm. ideas. It can be as mm-hmm. simple as standing in front of the pantry and saying, what magical thing am I going to create today with these ingredients in front of me that's going to taste good? And there's such a pleasure in that. Right. Like l- using the three cans to make something beautiful. Right. Yeah. That when you do <laughs> three cans, I know the panko, a can of beans and some, I don't know, baking powder. But but the act of simply doing that, mm-hmm. opening up the possibilities, what is this? Ca- what am I going to put on this canvas? What am I going to put in this flower bed? What am I going to put on this piece of paper? Turns lights up your brain, makes you happier, and turns out makes you more productive at work. There's another you study. lowers your freaking lowers waist, your waist circumference. circumference. Yeah. There's another study out there that I read that talks about even doodling on your notes. Yeah. Like making little, you know, words or doodles or whatever also increases your happiness. So doodlers are happier. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that, that fun? I'm going to start doodling. I think of Spencer, if you look at his school notebooks, they're full of doodles. And he also is a photographer and teaches himself to play stringed instruments on on the side and, you know, does this videography stuff. And I can see it like I can. And I think once you this is something that I'm starting to learn. But what I have observed in others, like one thing leads to another and it blossoms. Right. Yeah. I've always when many times when I'm taking notes from client meetings and I often write notes with that pen and paper as opposed to my computer because I enjoy that experience. It's pleasing to me. And I look back at my notes and I realize like sometimes my handwriting is just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I know that's intentional. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, isn't that pretty? And when I'm writing it, it feels good. So even though I'm listening to my client and having this whatever, I'm also having this experience of creating beautiful words. Yes. Or an outline that gives me kind of symmetrical pleasure. Yeah. Isn't that like I so I can see in myself the desire for that even in those really narrow situations. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see how it just builds. Like you're Mm -hmm. you just you tap into that and you tap into those emotions and you feel your whole brain lighten up and you start finding ways to do it, which then, you know, in your day to day, like you said, even in the in some minuscule tasks. And then, like I said, and then you get more productive at work. That's the so kind this of, is the connection to work, right? Yeah. Which was the nutty kind of part for me. Like I thought I get that you do things outside of work that you love and make you happy, you're happier inside of work. Yeah. Right? That's an easy connection to make. Exactly. What was really interesting to me is the study that says, hey, folks who engage in creativity, create, create, plus, sorry, creative activities outside of work yeah. are actually more productive at work. Yeah. And they tend to help others more at work. Yes. Because their, their empathy They're circuits empath- appear to be open. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so and they're more creative problem solvers mm-hmm, at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that study, San Francisco State University. Yeah, a guy named Kevin Eshelman and colleagues. I'll put it. I'll put the. I'll put all of his colleagues in the show notes too. But this is the seminal study that came out in 2014. Yeah, which I is cited back to over and over again. Yeah, and and they say it can be rare in research to find what we do in our personal time is directly related to our behaviors in the workplace, and not just how we feel. Mm-hmm. And and this is one of those. It's like so. 
I can't. I, did you read? So he, what did they do? They took like 350 roughly mm-hmm. employees and they answered questions about their creative activities and their recovery experiences, et cetera, et cetera. And then so, well, this was all. And then rep- by recovery experience, they mean downtime. Like, what? Are yeah. they, how are they? What are they doing with their downtime? And um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. So they looked at the study. They, there were two different bodies of. This study did two different things. It looked at, at the 350. I don't think 350 Roughly, yeah, 350. who did some self-reporting. And then what was also interesting is they took about a hundred active duty U.S. Air Force captains. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, they didn't self-report, but they surveyed the subordinates and coworkers of those captains. Yeah. And they concluded the study, the folks in the study, Eshelman and his group concluded that when you engage in creative activities outside of work, you are better at solving problems at work. Yep. You are more willing to help other people at work. Yep. And you have um, more of a sense of control. Mm-hmm. That was part of the self-reported. Yeah. And more likely to learn new skills. Right. So that to me was like... I mean, it makes sense now that I think about it. It makes a ton of sense. But I was like, wow, there's really data that says if I'm gardening and journaling, I'm going to be better at work. Yes. I'm going to be actually better at my job. Not just happier at work, but I will be mm -hmm. I will perform better at my job, which is also part of the whole five traits of high achieving women. Yeah. Which so when we think about that, like the. If you recall that show from a ways back, there was somebody looked at and really surveyed hundreds and hundreds of women who were sort of traditionally high achieving at the top of their field. And the traits that they possessed that were sort of unique to them, one of them was wholeness, Mm -hmm. i.e. a whole life, a whole beautiful life that takes and takes that allows for kicking ass at work, kicking ass at work, self-development, yes, relationships, yes, physical well-being, yes, all the things, right, yeah, and so it does kind of all tie together. But again, for me, I feel like there's that light bulb, like ah, the way to get better at my job isn't a singular, isn't to simply focus on it more, more and more and more. It's to get away from it every once in a while. Mm -hmm. It's to do something that engages the you know other regions of my brain, and makes me more happy. Yeah. But you said earlier, I don't know if it was on the air or not. I don't know if it was on this taping or the one that I didn't hit record on, (laughs) that you don't consider yourself much of a creative person. No, I do not consider myself a creative person because I think that I consider creativity, I considered creativity as much more traditional, like Mm -hmm. an artist or a woodworker or a photographer, stuff like that. And with anything, like I, I talked about earlier how I think the creativity was seeping out of me, just even in my writing and how my notes looked, yeah, right? Yeah. And the symmetry of how things were lined up, yeah. right? Um, and I think as with everything, our intention makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? So now, you know, I've, you know, I have my weekly check-in I've talked about for a long time. I've taken the weekly check-in to more journaling. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I was journaling every week in addition to my quote check-in. And now in addition to the journaling every week, I'm journaling a lot of days of the week. So if I'm not writing, working on some, you know, mm-hmm. sh- maybe it's even show notes or a book or whatever. 
I'm journaling, mm-hmm. right? So it's the intention seems to be creating more creativity and more desire for more creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And how, so how does the listener start to do that for themselves? I mean, if you say, how do I be more creative? What, what would you suggest? So I think one of the things yes. is like you said, I love your, it when you answer your own question. No, I'm, gonna, so I'm just going to, I know, sorry. I think, no, it's good. I think you just said intention, be intentional mm-hmm. about it. Like check in with yourself. Am I doing, have I done something creative today this week to, you know, and maybe it's just doodling on your notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Get- so this is the thing, which is, I, I, I'm going to give myself some grace here because you know, I'm all about grace. Yes. I'm going to give myself some grace and say, which I hope of course, Every listener is just giving themselves loads of grace. Like that's probably just my biggest wish for today. I hope we're all just living in grace. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. Just yeah. as a side note, just thank you. Things for that. can be hard. Um, time. Yeah. I think that I put other things in those time slots. So mm-hmm. the first thing is you have to have some time. Yeah. And if you don't have time because you're running kids and working long hours and taking care of parents and volunteering and doing all the things. I think that's when you look for the like small places like the doodling Mm -hmm. or make it a little note in your journal before you go to bed about how your day was or just even picking a word or, you know, sometimes I can I've also felt myself like need to beautify my surroundings. Uh Right. So I think that's helpful because that's like a you know, that's a double. You get to clean your house and make it beautiful. Yeah. Right. Not just cleaning, but like making it beautiful. And sometimes not even really cleaning, but just like tidying up and putting beautiful flowers out or finding something outside that I think will look great on my table. So those things don't take a ton of time. You don't have to buy a set of pastels and an easel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the I think looking for those little things when your time is crunched Mm -hmm. can just really add some sweetness. You know what? One of the things that I started doing when I turned 40, I gave myself permission to start to buy art and I don't have anything in my house that costs more than a couple hundred bucks. It's not like I'm out there buying, you know, $5,000 paintings. I wish I could because there's some beautiful stuff out there, but I started thrifting and looking for just cool pieces that I wanted to hang. Mm. It took a while for me to understand what style, what my style was and what I liked on my walls but even that like I have so much artwork that was $25 and I move it around and I re I rotate it through so even things like rearranging the furniture or Mm -hmm. changing you know the where the pictures are hung or like like I said getting creative with food or things that were kind of that don't take a ton of time I think you're gonna start still reap the benefits and it'll seep in you'll want more of it and there's all there's that whole set of things that are like the traditional creative activities. I have a friend who's gotten really into quilting, mm. but quilting for color. So it's always like a color exploration. Mm. It's very interesting. So there's all of, you know, like you said, your sister with the crocheting or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And, you know, when I was doing the reading for this show, there's all these things that people do to try and like jog themselves Mm -hmm. out of the routine and into the creative. Like people talk about using your non-dominant hand. Yeah. Right. Or uh, choosing to not use certain words. Like sometimes I'll even say, oh, I can't swear for a month. 
because it makes me think differently. Yeah. You told me that story. About yeah, there was a chef. The I was chef. watching a show and this uh, chef in New York City has several restaurants. He was saying in order to stay creative when he gets into the kitchen, he doesn't take the same. He, he looks at every part of his life. He tries to eliminate rote tasks in every part of his life, including like not he won't drive the same route to work two days in a row because he just wants to keep things fresh. Even that is oddly creative. Right. It's just or it just jogs your brain in a way that gets you out of the usual. Yeah. Right. So that I think is my last like little learning from all of the research, which is don't get yeah, stay, get out of the routine, do something unusual. And personally, I do love the mine is don't swear when I don't swear. Like, I think I really my words are better because I'm more creative. Yeah. Right. And I think more about what I say because I'm not just, you know, sounding like a sailor. <laughs> I'm going back. Don't get me wrong. I'll be swearing the next month. Okay. But that I, one month. We can't be friends if you don't no, swear. I can't. No. But that one month, I'll be like, I'm off of that. But that same thing, taking a different route to work. Or um, I know somebody who becomes a vegetarian like one month out of the year yeah. and only doesn't eat any meat product. She's a, well, I guess that's a vegan. She's a vegan. And she doesn't, she does it because she just wants her world to be different. She yeah. wants to open her mind up. Travel. Yeah. Travel's a great one to open your mind up. Let's do some traveling. Yeah, exactly. So I'm convinced. I'm convinced as if I wasn't before, but I do love this. I'm glad you love it too, because I think we get in our ruts. We get in our like productivity. It means working hard every day and focusing exclusively on this thing or the other. And doing creative activities gives you perspective, makes you better at your job, makes you more emp empathetic and shifts it shifts your brain, mm -hmm. shifts your brain, and it makes narrow pathways that are going to be really helpful. And here is the bottom line. It makes you happier. happier. And that is what we want, because that's like the joy part of ease, meaning, and joy, mm -hmm. right? This mm -hmm. sense of, you know, elation, uplifting, fulfilling, yep. you know, yumminess. Precisely. Right? And it's one of the many reasons I love this show. And this is just, one of my primary creative outlets. This, Me too. For sure, this yeah. is one of my, this may be my primary creative outlet. But I was also going to say, too, this is an opportunity. This is not a reason to be an asshole to ourselves about what we should or shouldn't do. Yes, good point. Right? I yep. mean, I just want to end by saying there's lots of things we can do every day. But this is about kindness and grace, not being an asshole to ourselves. If it's a thing and an opportunity, and if it works, you know, there's a lot of good data. Yeah. Yeah. If it works for you and your schedule, it's a lot of good data. I love it. It's like I feel about the routine. I think I said the same thing at the end of routine. Yeah. Oh, well. Look, we're not trying to tell you what to do, but we're just trying to give you some good we hints. We do not want to tell you what I do to not. do. I do tell no. a lot of people what to do. I do kind of like that. But in this case, we're no, not. No, we're not. All right. Thanks, agency. Because we love yes, agency. Yes, we do. We love listener agency. Speaking of that agency, listeners, get some agency. Have a great, have a great <laughs> two weeks. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. <laughs>